Well, good morning. morning. Man, we already did it, but let's do it again. Yeah, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Absolutely. Man, it is good to be back with you guys. Missed you guys, my peoples. I want to thank our pastors uh, for these last couple of weeks. They did a tremendous job as we're continuing in the series of rhythms. But, you know, every time I step away, I just reflect and I thank the Lord for the team you know, that God has, you know, led here and formed here. And, and in 13 years, I've seen it, man. I've just seen how the Lord has, you know, maneuvered and brought people in. And it's an awesome thing. And so I'm just so thankful for our pastors, our staff, our volunteers. You guys are awesome. And so anytime I step away, like I get giddy when I come back a little bit, right? And so I, and, and, and I have to warn you ahead of time. And even those who are watching online, like I pray you don't try to drink from a fire hydrant this morning because I've got a, a three weeks build up. Uh, in me. And so I'm trying to ask the Lord to settle me down uh, a little bit. But man, it's great to be back with you guys. And let me just welcome you. I mean, if you're a guest with us, if you're, it's your first time, let me just say thank you for being here. You're here in the rain. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? I mean, you're here this morning. There ain't no fair weather Christian, the people who stay in bed in the rain. No offense to those watching online, but we're here. <laughs> We're here this morning, and so God bless you for that. Again, whatever it was, and even those uh, you know, watching us. I mean, we know we have an enemy that tries to keep us from what God wants to do in our lives. And so God bless you uh, for persevering. God bless you for tuning in online, and we are excited for what the Lord has to say. Take your Bibles with me this morning, if you would. We're continuing our series of rhythms, the daily disciplines of our lives. And I'll be honest with you, this really kind of goes back to you know, the pandemic. And I know we're still dealing with so much, but I believe over this last last year and a half, you know, because of the situation, it's kind of stripped away things, you know, things in our lives that maybe were in place that, you know, we were okay with and that we were allowing to kind of fill gaps in a temporary way that only the Lord can truly feel. And so I pray through this series, these spiritual disciplines is something that we all, I know this is a journey for me as your pastor to continue to develop daily disciplines of spiritual growth. And so I pray you're encouraged. The first week we talked about the race that you can't even begin the disciplines unless you're in the race. And we know that comes in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It's not your goodness, it's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. Can I get an amen? And through the blood of Jesus, the Bible says his righteousness is imputed to us. Therefore, now we come to the Father, blameless, holy, without sin. What a beautiful picture that is. The next week, Pastor Kyle spoke about speaking the gospel, sharing the gospel. The next week, Pastor Caleb talked about worship, that the central idea of worship is the glory of God. And we're going to see that even carry over this morning when we talk to the subject of prayer. Last week, Pastor Dave did a tremendous job in the daily discipline of God's Word, of feeding upon the Word of God, meditating upon the Word of God. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of prayer. And let me just say, like, I have to approach this with humility. I believe we all do. Because when it comes to the subject of prayer, like, none of us have graduated when it comes to the subject of prayer. Like I think to myself about those disciples, like those disciples who are following Jesus, watching Jesus, watching him preach, watching him teach, and he comes to them, the disciples come in, what do they ask? They say, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't say, you bunch of knuckleheads, y'all, you've been watching me for all this time, and now you're, but he, no, the grace of Christ. And he teaches us in scripture how to pray. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the subject of prayer. And let me just say, man, this is one of those subjects that the enemy can lay guilt and shame. Because all of us, I've been out there before where a pastor will talk about the subject of prayer and it's kind of this guilt of, man, if Jesus died for me and I'm not praying the way I should, and it can cripple you. 
So I pray this morning you see freedom. I pray this morning you see the invitation of a father, of a perfect father who is good and who is holy and who can't make any mistakes at all. I want to give you some scriptures this morning, just kind of as an intro as we look at this. Psalm 34, 17, man, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you some passages. I'd love for you to go back this week and just kind of reflect, meditate upon these passages. But look at what it says. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from their troubles. Well, right away, somebody might say, well, there it is. I ain't righteous, therefore I can't go before the God. Not only is that bad grammar, it's bad theology. It's never our goodness. Can I get an amen? It's never our goodness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. And I believe this has to be a central point before we even start talking about prayer. Because what the enemy does to me is he tries to lay shame and guilt and says, you have no right to call upon God. You have no right to go into the presence of a holy God. And so if I'm not starting in the righteousness of Jesus, if I'm not starting in the fact that God welcomes me to the throne of grace, not because I had a good day, not because I, I, I helped someone in need, but because of the righteousness of Jesus. That's the starting point here. Let me give you another one. Here we go. Psalm 18, 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him to his ears. James 4, 2. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war and let you do not have because you do not ask. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Hear this this morning, I pray. And this passage has been just coming back and back. And I believe it's for many people who are sitting in this room today and are watching. Listen to this invitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody in here can say amen to that? Can I get an amen? amen. Let's try to be more honest. Can I get an amen? amen? Like we carry these things, right? And look at what Jesus says. Come to me, lay them down, and I will give you rest. Hear this invitation this morning. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me give you one more before we stand and read. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come, don't miss this, boldly. Boldly? How? To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. How? Because of Jesus. A father welcomes me into his presence. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and stand with me this morning. I titled the message this week. It's going to be a two-part message. Our Father. And this is a Lord's Prayer. Many of you have memorized this. And if you throw an art in there, that means you memorized it in the King James Version. And that's okay. It's like the little girl who was asked in class. The teacher said, okay, do you guys really believe that God wants to hear us and desires to hear us? Little girl raised her hand. She said, yes. She said, his name is Howard. And he's a painter. Probably heard this before. Teacher was like, what are you talking about? Our father who does art in heaven, Howard be his name. That's not what it says here. <laughs> not what it says. But I pray you allow this, man. Again, I, I, don't know, I know there are people who are hurting. I know there are people who are tired. Maybe frustrated, discouraged because you have been praying for things. And I pray this morning you see a father. And I pray you see this relationship, right? This has been put in such a different place for me now since I'm a father. And I see the request of my son and the request of my son of no, no and not now. Why? For his goodness. He may not understand, but there's a father who's trying to guide him. And I want you to see this picture of a father that says, come to me, not this guilt and shame that, hey, if you've had a good day, come to me. Absolutely not. In Christ, boldly, 
to the throne of grace. Now, I want you to see this. This is the model prayer that Jesus gives us, not to recite word for word. We used to do this before games in college and it didn't mean anything. It was just repetition. And he warns us of that at the beginning of this. So let's look at what he says, beginning in verse five. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. That word in the original language is where we get our word actors. May you not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Let me just say, it's not good when your name, you only add two letters and it becomes heathen, by the way. Heath, my brother reminded me of that all my life. And I lived up to it. Let's keep going. Where am I at? Got distracted, heathen. What verse am I at? Come on. Seven. There we go. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that will be heard for their many words. But in this manner, therefore, pray. And so here's the model of these next two weeks. I'm going to give you an outline that was given to me over 20 years ago. We use it in our new members class. It is something that has just stuck with me. It's an alliterated outline of six Ps to kind of follow this model of the Lord's Prayer. Not to just recite it word for word, that's okay, but to understand that Jesus has given us a model of prayer. And there's six Ps that we're gonna talk about through this model, but let's read it. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's the first P is praise. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second P is purpose. Look at the next one. Give us this day our daily bread. There's my provisions. Forgive us of our debt. There's my pardons. As we forgive others, other people. And then finally, the last P, protection. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us into the evil, not deliver us to the evil one, from the evil one. That's a different prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. And let me hear God's people say. Amen. I want you to be encouraged this morning, but Father, He says, bring me your stuff. You've been holding it far too long. Bring it to me. In the hands of man, simply two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread, that's all it was. Placed in the hands of God, it's a completely different story. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. You are sovereign over our good decisions, our bad decisions, and we thank you, Lord, that our righteousness is based in Christ, that we're not living to try to earn it and muster it up. Lord, we thank you that in Jesus, we stand before you whole, that in Jesus, we stand before you clean. We stand before you as a child, of the God of this universe. Lord, may we not miss that, that every day you are calling us, you are inviting us into your presence. And yet so many times we miss that, Lord because of our own struggles and even our own shame and guilt, may we see the freedom in Christ of a heavenly Father who makes no mistakes, whose timing is perfect. Lord, may we hear that this morning, that your timing is perfect. May your will be done. May we pray that as the Lord prayed it, as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not our will, but your will be done. We pray that upon this church. We pray that upon our lives. Lead us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, you may be seated. Or you can stand, do whatever you want. Like it's so interesting to me that this is the thing that the disciples would ask Jesus about. Like it's so interesting. We're like, let's, let's take a time machine. Let's go to the DeLorean. You know what I'm talking about? 
I'm dating myself a little bit, flux capacitor. Let's go back to DeLorean and let's, is that say that right? And let's go and let's, let's watch Jesus, right? And so for three years of earthly ministry, you're seeing them preach, you're seeing them teach, you're seeing them healing people, blind dudes now being able to see. You see them casting out demons. There's a lame man sitting at the pool. He heals him. There ain't no rehab involved. Now he's whole. And yet all the things that Jesus did, the thing that the disciples asked him to teach them was to pray. They didn't ask them to teach them to heal people or to, or to preach, like to pray. Why is that? I mean, the disciples their entire lives, these guys grew up in the synagogue seeing prayer every single day, but there was something unique about the prayers of Jesus. They understood that everything that Jesus was doing came back to the centerpiece of prayer. That the, that the power of the Father in him came back to his fellowship in prayer. So I pray this morning, you see a father. Look at this in verse five. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. That word again is where we get actors. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. Again, we understand that all throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus, man, he was cutting right through the religious people. The religious people, right? The religious people sent Jesus to the cross. Religion sends people to hell. Let me tell you that right now. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so he says, okay, understand here, these guys are just doing it to be seen. There's no sincerity in their hearts. And we understand that this is an issue that Jesus dealt with always with these Pharisees, right? You guys are just concerned about the outside. Remember that? You're just concerned about washing on the outside, but there's nothing clean on the inside. There's pride. Your prayers are prideful to be seen by men. And it's interesting here, that word hypocrite describes someone who wears a mask and does a performance. It's the word that's described here. And I saw a quote, man, that just cut right deep. And I think it's one of the great dangers in the church. Pastor said this, one of the greatest dangers in the church is when the old self simply becomes religious. Not when there's a new nature, not when they're born again, but when the old self just becomes religious. Pharisee, outside works, outside works to be seen, but nothing here on the inside. Take your Bibles, I want you to see something. Go to Luke, if you would. Let's go to Luke 18 and let's look at a parable. We looked at this last summer as we were doing a series through the parables of Luke 18, nine through 14. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And I want you to see this again, because I believe guilt and shame keeps many people from running to the Father. But God says, you come to me with a sincere heart, you come to me surrendered, and I will be there. Look at this. I want you to see the opposite end of the spectrum here. It's a parable about the Pharisees and the tax collectors. So let's let's describe kind of the context here. Pharisee, the most religious person that you could have in that time, has forgotten more scripture than any of us has ever learned. Bottom line. Then you have the tax collector, the, the most despicable person in that time, right? The tax collector sold out their own people, now working for the Roman government, charging taxes to people who that's already their land, and even taking more than they should for themselves. They were hated, they were despised. So understand, these are polar opposites. One religious that looks real good on the outside, one man that is despicable on the outside. But God doesn't see the outside, what does he see? Look at this. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they despised others. You know what they did? They looked down on other people. Because they were gauging their stance before God by other people. Listen, we can always find other people to make ourselves feel good. Can I get an amen? 
We don't have to look even past our family. Let's keep going. Also, he spoke. Did I say that? To the parable that they were righteous despite of. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I hope none of us have prayed that before. God, thank you I'm not like Pastor Dave. Thank you I'm not like Pastor Caleb or Kyle. Thank you, Jesus. No, we shouldn't be praying that. That I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. What judgment. Here's the religious activity. Old self just putting on religion. I fast twice a week. I give tithes that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house. Hear this, justified, justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And this parable lines up right here with the teaching of prayer. And we understand this falls right in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the longest section of Scripture that we have of the teaching of God's Word from Jesus. And it's no coincidence that right in the middle of it, we get into the model for prayer. Look at verse 6 of Matthew. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Now understand, he is not condemning public prayer. Some people have taken this and say, oh, so, so what Jesus is saying is that our prayer life should just be private. Just me and the Lord. And there's a truth to that. But he's not condemning public prayer. He's condemning public prayer with vain repetition. He's condemning public prayer that's for the impre- to impress others not to call upon the name of God. And so he's not condemning public prayer. And understand, he says, but when you pray... It's not about the location as it is about the heart and that secret place when I love that. I pray you hear that. That place where only you and the Lord is at. That place where the Lord sees you in ways that no one else sees. That place in the Lord where you're confessing and pouring out your heart to him unlike anyone else. There's that secret place. May we not miss that as children of God. And yet we do. The power of the resurrection. Understand something. The enemy cannot touch it. When a child of God who has been saved by the blood of Jesus calls upon the name of the Father, the enemy has no authority over that. You understand that? The resurrection broke that. The resurrection broke that. And so a child of God, regardless of your situation, regardless of your decisions, someone who has surrendered their heart to Jesus, placed faith in Jesus, when they call upon the name of the Father, the Bible says we come boldly, he accepts us to the throne of grace. And understand, so what does he do? He keeps us from praying. If, there's, if the authority of the resurrection breaks that from the enemy, so what does he do? He keeps us busy. He keeps us discouraged. He keeps us distracted. Hey, do anything we can to keep them scrambling. Make them carry it more as long as they don't go to the Lord. Because the moment a child of God calls upon the name of the Father, the enemy has no authority over it. Absolutely. This is where conviction sets in. Because even as a pastor, right, man, you get going. And sometimes if we're not careful, we approach our prayer life, you know, like a sailor approaches a pump. I'll use it if I start to sink. And sometimes if we're not careful as believers, we kind of look at it as a last resort rather than a first resource. And so what I want you to see this morning is the model that Jesus is giving us 
There's freedom here. Look at what he says here. Here's the promise, the end of verse six. But you, when you go into your room, shut your door, pray to your father's in a secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. I believe that's different in, in each individual's lives. But the promise is there, that the reward, the blessings of God will be poured out upon our lives to those who seek him. Look at verse seven. Here's the warning. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, two letters, and I become a heathen, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. That, that phrase there, vain repetitions, means idle, thoughtless chatter. And so he's, he's pointing right to the Pharisees. You know, the guys who are standing on the street corners calling out prayers, but there's no sincerity in their heart to call upon God. They're doing it for the appearance of men. And he says there are many words, like this is again kind of pagan religion making itself into Judaism, where pagan religion says, man, you just got to keep talking, keep talking. And the more words you talk, then God will hear you. You go back to the story, right, of the prophets of Baal. Do you remember that? In, in 1, Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, where the prophets of Baal and Elijah, and they're saying, hey, you test your God and I'll test my God. Do you know that story? This is where I used to justify my trash talking. I used to talk trash. I didn't talk trash unless someone talked trash to me when I was playing math. If you talk to me, though, my mouth, I've always told you guys, it's interesting that this instrument can be used for any good at all. But anyway, I would, I would talk trash. So my dad pulled me aside one time. He's like, Heath, that's a bad testimony. You can't be talking trash in the middle of the games. I said, go, go to Elijah. First Kings 18, it is biblical to talk trash. He looked upon the prophets of Baal and said, where's your God? Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he took a trip. It's biblical to talk trash. Let me just throw that in there. As long as for the glory of God. Now, wasn't doing it for the glory of God. Let's look at verse seven. My dad pointed that out, by the way. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. What is he saying? Prayer that is thoughtless and indifferent is offensive to God. Cue conviction. The blessings for a meal. Sometimes we can fall into this trap, right? Oh, we gotta say the blessing before we eat because someone will choke. That's what my mom used to say. <laughs> but God's gonna make us choke if we don't pray? But we can fall into this trap sometimes, right? Okay, okay, Lord. Thank you, thank you for our food, amen. And you're hungry and you want to eat. Sometimes we have to be careful we fall into this category. I love this. Look at verse 6. The warning is against mindless, indifferent recital of spiritual words. He is not telling us not to have repetitious prayers. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the ones that we're just saying for the words, right? But he tells us, man, bring it to me. And you see that in Scripture. Paul three times, three times prayed for God to remove the thorn of his flesh. That was a repetitious prayer. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, may it be your will that this cup passes over me, but not my will, your will be done. So he's not telling us that we shouldn't repeat our prayers. He's talking about the mindless chatter of spiritual words. God's not impressed when we're trying to use big words when we talk to him. He sees our heart. And when that's your starting point, man, you talk to him like a father that knows everything about you more than you know about yourself. And he says in verse eight, do therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. The purpose of prayer, understand, is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who's praying. That's why we see the order that we have. And we're going to get into this in a moment. 
I believe the order is critical. Now, again, I don't think that if we skip something that God doesn't hear us, I don't believe that. But the model prayer that Jesus gives us begins with praise. It begins with him. It begins with the vertical. Well, let's go through the Ten Commandments, right? It's the same model, right? The first three commandments deal with what? Us and him. That if you're not aligned the right way vertically, then you're not going to be aligned the right way horizontally. That if I'm not right here, I'm not going to be right in my marriage. That if I'm not right here, I'm not going to be right as a father. If I'm not right here, I'm not going to be right as a pastor. And so just like the Ten Commandments, this prayer comes back to, okay, the centerpiece of it all is God be glorified. That through this right here, the vertical. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to hear this today, man. I need to hear this today. God's glory. You want to talk about powerful? When you get on your face in pain and in hurt and in doubt and in questions and you still say, God, be glorified. That God, I don't understand this and I don't like this. I'm crying out. I'm talking to you. I understand your timing, but be glorified. Talk about power. That Lord, the desire of my heart is not to rescue me or fix this or, or give me this and give me that, but be glorified. Kelly Miller, Skip Miller, precious family in our church. She serves in our children's ministry. And she said something a couple years ago as she was going through her kidney transplant. And I saw her in a hospital after surgery. And she had been through what, look at a nine hour, 10, 10 hour surgery. And she looked at me with tubes and everything. And she said, you know what? My prayer is that my kids would see me glorifying God through this. And I was like, girl, you need to be preaching, not me. I'm gonna that's not biblical, but anyway. I was so convicted of that. Because so many times, that's not my starting point. So many times I come before God and I just lay here. Here's my list. Here's my list. That's not where Jesus starts. Just like worship, that's not where Jesus starts. He starts with the glory of God because our prayers can get selfish, man. Our sinful nature creeps in even to our prayers. Reminds me of a story. It's like the lady who said, Lord, I'm praying for my mom. I pray for her every day. She loves you. She is a godly lady. And she is praying that you will give her a handsome, rich, godly son-in-law. May you answer her prayers, Lord. Our prayers can get selfish. Let's look at this. Look at verse 9. There's two sections here, just like the Ten Commandments. There's two sections here. It deals with us and God and then us and others. It's the same pattern that we see here with the Ten Commandments. The first is God's glory, His name, His kingdom, His will. The second, our needs, daily needs, forgiveness, protection. So what you find with us is past, present, future. It's an amazing model that Jesus gives here. So how are we to approach the Lord's Prayer? Six Ps, we're going to build on this next week. Praise, purpose, provision, pardon, people, protection. But what a powerful thing when you start at the place where Jesus tells us to start. Praise. Look at verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray our Father in heaven. Say it with me. Hallowed. Holy be your name. Man. To start there, it changes the rest of your prayers. Like when you start there, okay, Lord, be glorified. 
in my situation, be glorified in my struggle, be glorified in my pain, be glorified in my questions and doubt, be glorified. And when you come to this place of Lord, more than anything else, I seek your will and your glory. Man, that is a powerful thing to come before God and say, I praise you. Remember the song, I praise you in the storm. What power to fall on your knees in pain and in hurt and say, I still praise you. How could we not? Like, let's back up and let's think about the things that can't be touched. That if you're in Christ, been saved by the blood of Jesus, there's nothing this world can do. There's nothing the enemy can do. There's nothing you can do to snack, be snatched out of the hand of God. Do you believe that? Say amen. So let's start there. I don't know where my day is going to go, Lord, but if it ends, I'm going to be standing in your presence. I praise you for that. I'm gonna dry, I hope I don't get hit by a bus, but if that's your will, I'm going to be in your presence. I praise you for that. Praise in what is fixed. Praise in what it can't be touched. Praise in a God who is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. Praise in a God who keeps his promises, not some, not many, all. We may not see it, we may not understand it, we might know the timing, but praise in the things that are fixed. That's where we start. And man, that is a pillar that then allows us, I believe in the presence of God, to pray the will of God. What an amazing truth. I mean, let's just go back to verse nine. Let's look at this one word. In this manner, therefore pray our what? Say with me, our Father. Now, I don't know what kind of earthly father you had or have. Some, you had a dad that was kind of like, you're, you're here to be seen, not heard. It's kind of that old school thing, right? Where you do your thing, I do my thing, and I know people who grew up in that kind of household. And so their, 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 their image of a father, you know, has to kind of be redeveloped through the word of God. That this image of a father is not a father who is far off, is not a father who is distant, it's a father who says, come to me and understand something here. There's some amazing truth because of that, just simply because he is our father. You know what that does? It removes fear. To know that I'm a child of God removes fear. To know that I can crawl into the lap of God knowing that he is sovereign over my life removes fear. To know that I come before him, not like the pagans who were scared of their God, trying to appease their God, but a God who says, come to my throne of grace through the blood of my son, I invite you to be my child. God is the creator of all, but he's not the father of all. He's the father of those who have called upon Jesus as their savior. John 14, six says what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father itself through me. But if you've done that, I want you to see the picture of a God who says, bring me your gunk. I don't even know if that's a word. Bring me your stuff. Bring me your two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread. You've been carrying it too long, looking at the crowd, trying to figure out how are we going to feed all these people? I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I tell you what, put it in the hands of God. See what he can do with it. And then see what he can do with it through you. And then what he does in you. It removes fear. Romans 8, 15, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you receive the spirit of what? Adoption. And who we cry out, daddy. I don't know if there's anything that brings joy to my heart than when Tristan just comes in. It happened this past week. I was working on my sermon. And he came into my office and you know, I was kind of, you know, not probably very nice. And I was like, dude, what do you want? What do you need? He said, nothing, I just, I just want to be in here with you. And I was preparing this message. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many times the father looks upon me 
says, just come to me. How many times have I gone to the Father and not just thrown down my list and says, here's what I need, but I just wanna be with you. I just wanna crawl into your lap for a little while and feel your embrace, feel your presence, to know your peace, to know your joy, and to just praise you for what can't be touched. My life may go in different directions. I praise you for what can't be touched. There's hope in that. I love the passage of Matthew 7, where it says this, ask and it will be given to you. Verse seven, seek, you will find, knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? Hear this, if his son asks for bread, any fathers in here, listen to this. If their son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then being evil and sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's nothing I wouldn't do for my son. I would do everything I can to meet his needs. And I'm a sinful man. How much more? Father who can't make mistakes, whose timing is perfect, who is good, who is good. And all things work together for what? The good. And yet I wonder how many times there's a father with open arms and there I am just screaming. Running here and running there and tired and weary and frustrated and anxious. And a father who has hands open who says, hey, you've carried that for so long. Why don't you bring it to me? Come spend time with me. Just come talk to me. I already know what's going on. And yet I believe so many times again, the enemy lays this guilt and shame upon us of I have no right. We gotta go back to the cross and understand that our right is through Jesus. And when you understand that the righteousness of Christ allows you to come into the presence of God, it's not about your good day. It's not about your good acts. It never is. It's about the righteousness of Jesus that allows us to come to the throne of grace any moment. What communion? Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Start at praise. I encourage you even this week to try to get to that place early. Lord, thank you for waking me up today. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you for the rain and the thunder and I'm inside. Thank you for your provisions and start there. Thank you that you are patient. Can I get an amen? Thank you that you're long suffering towards me. Can I get an amen? Thank you that you are faithful to complete the work that you've begun in me. Can I get an amen? When you begin to pray scripture back to God, it is now aligning you to the will of God. As you begin to go back to the Lord and say, hey, this is what you say about me and I'm saying it about me as well. There is power in the presence of God. I think about Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is that passage of scripture that deals with spiritual, I'm just wiping everything. I got a hanky. My Amber's like, don't wipe it on your, all right, here we go. go." (laughs) Ephesians 6 is the longest passage of scripture we have on spiritual warfare. And I've spent a lot of time there because there's a battle that rages. If you believe that, say amen, amen. Amen. The enemy don't want us to know that. 
that there's a battle that rages every day in your life and there's a battle for your life, there's a battle for your family, there's a battle for your marriage, there's a battle for your children and it's, a, it's warfare. And you see this passage of Ephesians 6 where he tells us, okay, get the sword and put on the helmet and put on the breastplate, shod your feet with the gospel. Now we're ready, where's the battle? Here's the battle, you ready? Here's the battle. Ephesians 6 verse 18, he ends with this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. I think sometimes we think that prayer is the preparation of the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is the battle. And when you've been given all the provisions of God, you can go before him and say, Lord, all right, now I'm asking you to do what you've promised to do. And I praise you for it. My favorite scripture is Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. To say, Lord, I trust you first. It's a big deal. Not over here, okay, man, I'll give you a shot. Give me a sign. Ain't the way it works. Jesus says, no, you got to flip that around. He is asking you to come and display faith first in who he is, sign your name on a blank contract and allow him to fill in the gaps. Easier said than done. Because we wake up every day like this. My life, my day, my money, my family. And Jesus says, man, when you come to the cross, how could you not? Savior died for me. And now the Father welcomes me to have communion with him. That the Father, the God of this universe, desires to hear from me. Do you understand how this affects loneliness? I don't know how many of you here, you may be here by yourself. Understand you're never by yourself if you're in Christ. You're not. He has invited us every day. The Lord has given me songs over the years that man, he'll just hit me with as, as I'm working through passages or working through sermons and it's happened with this passage. We're gonna develop the next five Ps next Sunday. We got baptism next Sunday morning, over 30 people being baptized next Sunday morning. So we're excited about that. My son's getting baptized next Sunday morning. So my dad, my family, and everybody's coming over. And so Tristan said, Dad, you need to hold people under for three seconds to symbolize the three days in the grave. That's why he said it. <laughs> I will start with you, buddy, next Sunday morning. <laughs> One Mississippi. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. <laughs> it's an older song. But the Lord has just kept bringing it back to me. And it's titled, Give Me Faith. Do you remember that song? Because I think so many times, like I try to muster faith. Give me, let me get Heath's faith. No, give me the faith of Jesus. Because my faith is weak. Give me his faith 40 days in the wilderness to trust the Father. Give me his faith to not go against the timing of the Father. Give me his faith to say in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, here's my desires, but I surrender to that. May your will be done. And the song says this, I may be weak, your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder how many of you this morning just need to call out to a father. I mean, let's be real in the secret place of your heart that only he and you are present. Maybe it's this morning. You've been carrying around that, that plate, two fish and five loaves for a long time. 
and you've tried everything in your power to fix it, to do it, and you have a father who says, come to me, talk to me, spend time with me. Boldly to the throne of grace? May we hear that. That a father invites us and it's not based upon our goodness. It's not based upon what you did that day. In Christ, he's called us to him. I stand perfect, holy, sinless before the father. I wonder how many in here this morning and who are watching may just need to cry out to a father, a perfect father who can't fail you, who can't fail you. He'd cease to be God. I wonder how many this morning just need to say, Lord, take this from me. As we're gonna sing, I'm broken, Lord. And I know without faith, I cannot please you. And so Lord, I I put it up front here. I'm struggling with it. It's hard for me to, to really believe it, but I put it up front here, Lord, that I trust you. I praise you. Praise your name. I pray what is fixed, what is done, what can't be touched. I praise you and I ask you to be glorified in this. Man, power. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and Lord, we are humbled. And the fact that even right now, as I am praying and the body of Christ is praying that you hear us in the noise of this universe, you hear us, you see us, you know us, you welcome us. And we know it's because of Jesus only that our righteousness is filthy rags. Our goodness is gross. It's Jesus. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today who has never professed faith in this Jesus who came and lived the life that they couldn't, that I couldn't, a life that is perfect, that is sinless, that met your righteousness and then died and satisfied the wrath of a holy God. May they see that this morning, the love displayed and the freedom that comes in just simply crawling into the lap of our Father. I just wanna be with you, Lord. I just wanna feel your embrace, Lord. I need your peace, Lord, I need your joy, Lord. I praise you for what can't be touched and I can't see ahead, but I trust you. Give me faith, give me faith, give me faith. We pray it, we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna sing this song and I pray it's a prayer for you. Okay, I pray that whatever you got going on, and I know you got a lot going on, because we all do. Hear these words, and let's just let this be kind of a reverent time. This is not walkout music, all right? Allow this to speak to your heart as we come into the presence of a holy God.